0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. As we look back on In Her Shoes this year and the women who inspire us, here's The Cuts editor-in-chief, Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, in conversation with actress Gabourey Sidibe.
1: Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples wagner editor Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this podcast, we talk to ambitious women about how they've come this far and where they're going next. Gabrielle Sidibe is a New York-born and bred actor known for her iconic debut performance in 2009's Precious. Before Precious, Gabare had no formal acting training. In fact, her only experience was being in the chorus in two high school plays and a few years working at a phone sex company in her early 20s. Since Precious, Gabare has continued to make a career for herself in movies and television, American Horror Story, Empire, Antebellum, and now she's entering the world of scripted podcasting with her new show, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It. We spoke with Gabourey about her new gig, life after her Oscar nomination, and so much more. Please welcome Gabourey Sidibe.
0: Hi. Hi.
1: Really admire you and your work, so I'm very excited for this.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm excited for this, too. I love podcasts. It's all I listen to, really. Really? Uh, yeah, I listen to a lot of them. I watch a lot of TV, too, but, like, when I'm, like, moving around and doing stuff, like, you know, every time I'm in my car, I got really bored with music lately.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there's not a lot of good music out, so that also, too. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, back in 2009, um, obviously, the major film, Lee Daniels, Precious movie just changed so much for me. And I think so much for conversations, but also so many young black women and seeing that film. And um obviously, you know, from from watching, you know, as an outsider, it, it was like, oh wow, she's nominated for an Oscar is overnight, all of these things. But tell us the backstory of how you broke into acting and what your life was like before that.
0: Wow. Um <laughs> uh... God, 2009 feels like so long ago, but it also feels like it was last week. Yeah. Uh, So before I was an actress, I uh, just, I was like a wayward sort of young adult, Uh, like, I guess, because I got, well, Precious was my first ever audition. So literally the day before I was a phone sex operator, At the time. I I read that. I read that. Yeah. So that's what, to be fair, I worked for a phone sex company, but my official job at that point was a monitor. I'd worked there for three years. I started as a, as a talker. Uh, And after two months, I was promoted. And then eventually I became a monitor. So like my job day in, day out was to listen to phone sex calls for quality insurance and to make sure, you know, the rules were being fired and what have you. Uh, and so that was, that was my life at the point I was, I'd been there for three years and I knew, I mean, there are women at that company for, 15, 20 years. Wow. And so, yeah, which is a long time to, and like also, it seems like I don't know what people think phone sex is, but it's exactly what I said. it's, it's phone sex. And so, and it's with, you know, strangers and randoms and, you know, people who are paying for it and not everyone is nice and not everyone is not, on a shift, there are very few phone calls that you might enjoy doing. And it can be very, very degrading work. And I couldn't imagine doing it for much longer. Right. When I auditioned, I had actually just started going back to school. I, I had to drop out of school for a while because I was poor and also stupid. And so (laughs) I had finally gone back when I got like literally the week before I uh, got precious. And so at that time, I felt like I was shiftless and I felt like I was, you know, wayward. And I I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I had no idea. I kept. Trying things right while tra- like all of it was survival, all of it was survival, honestly. Like, even going to school, that's about survival. This phone sec job, the monitoring, all of that, like you know, and I kind of fell into that, but it's all about survival. And, um, and I survive in a very different way now, yeah. After that, you know, after that audition,
1: incredibly fascinating. And I, I love that you talk about survival because I think that is the story of a lot of women of color and specifically Black women of mm-hmm. how do I get through this? How do I get past this? And I've, I've heard you say in a lot of interviews before that, you know, people kind of associated since you got Precious as your first role that you were really lucky, but you felt like you, you've you been an unlucky person. Is that because you feel like you've had to survive in a different way or where do you think that that thinking comes from
0: yeah the word survive around being a black woman is so much it's like heavy. really heavy it's like an albatross yeah it's like a it's an anchor around our neck in a way and i for so long i was like i don't want to be your survivor i'm not your survivor i'm not a but but i yeah I've had the hardships in my life the same way everyone has. And yeah, I would not categorize myself as a lucky person at all. I read something yesterday that was like, do you know how many, um, somebody said, do you know how many couches and floors I slept on to be called lucky? Right. And so, (laughs) and and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's it. I mean, boof. For whatever reason, I got this strange audition and it catapulted me into a different life, uh, completely. And it's not my life was not the roughest, but it wasn't the greatest. It's very, very different than the way I live now. So, yes, I would say that I probably survived a lot of things.
1: How do you when you say your life is so different now? And and I don't mean like the external money things. I mean like how do you feel that you're different as a person and your humanity.
0: Oh, uh, in a lot of ways, actually. When I think of how different my life is now, it's not even really about money at all. It's about what the <clears throat> the biggest thing is, just the way I live and the way I think. I think when I when I was living with my mom and my brother and like growing up and. You know, literally sucking Dick over the phone <laughs> like for a job. Um, I did not think I could do much in life. I did not have, you know, a big uh, I didn't have as much self-worth as I have now. And I I had a very, very, li- and like, to be fair, I had very little experiences. I was still very young. And so the idea that I might be able to, the idea that I might be able to walk into the Hermes store, and even smaller than that, the idea that I can walk into a museum and feel like, I'm not being watched because I might steal something, uh, and not that that doesn't happen randomly now. But I had no idea that I could live without fear, and not just fear of you know, of I don't know, like racism or being called fat or like or or any of that because that absolutely still happens. The fear, the fear that I don't belong in this space. I didn't belong yeah. in, in any spaces when I was like 24. I was all I always felt like I was um an inconvenience to every store, like Chanel or Target. I'm an inconvenience here. And I better be on my best, 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 best behavior so that I don't get mm-hmm. kicked out or so that I'm not followed, or so like they don't put whatever stereotype they think that I am on me, even though they do. Uh and now I take up space and that, and that might not even have anything to do with what I do for a living or it could just be that I'm older. It could be that I'm tired, but certainly what I thought of the world and what I thought of my place in the world is so different today than it was then.
1: I find this so fascinating because it's, I think you can be a black girl anywhere, Mm -hmm. like literally anywhere. And you feel that. In, in so many different ways. And there's, I mean, we, I've never even, you know, met you or talked to you before this and, and exactly what you were saying, I've felt it in so many ways in and, and my life as a black woman and many of, you know, my friends and peers and family members. And I think what I find so interesting about what you're saying is that oftentimes I feel like, you know, even, even when, you know, you got this, you know, huge role and you're able, you know, to you know be at the fancy parties and do all the things and go to Hermes and go to Chanel like it feels like black women are only applauded when we're doing the entire most and outworking <laughs> everyone literally everyone um but that's at our own expense and it it still feels like um there's this 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 sense of not belonging but then having to just understand that um our own you know identities and and redefining that is just its it's process that happens over time to shed because i think that it's just incredibly complicated and fraught when as as a black woman in so many spaces and and i hear so much of what you're saying i identify with and hear um from young black women to older black women and and i it's it's so interesting to me it really is
0: but we all, I think we. You're right. In anywhere in the world, being a black woman, it's uh, you know we are oppressed. Ugh, I hate saying that though. <laughs> I hate this idea that you know. But it. But to be fair, I was explaining to uh, to my fiance who's uh, Jewish that at some point in history, my our literal hair, black women's hair, was illegal. And so there's not, like, you know, like, we had to be covered up. And, right. And so... I'm <laughs> nodding. But yeah. I'm, y'all see it. <laughs> but it's, ju- it's just, it's, you know, just that, our hair, the way it grows out of our head that we have nothing to do with. We did not create that. It You know, like, it's just, it's the natural way that we are. And that's just that. That's one of the ways that we've been told that we don't belong on this earth, not in this right. not in this city, not in this store, not in this country. We don't belong on this earth, we have been told. And so we and I which why I'm like, ah, maybe I'm here and it's not about the money, because like I think we also get tired. You know, we get really, really tired. I love those protests. <laughs> protest photography of black women pushing guns out of their faces and black women like like cussing out cops and like and all of I love it so much because we are so we do get tired and I think eventually we say I'm done shrinking. I'm going to I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow taller than you. I'm going to grow so tall you won't be able to climb me. Mm. Yeah. But we have we have to because they've been shrinking us since the day we were born.
1: No, I hear you. And I and I completely agree. And I'm I'm curious about when you say, you know, when you talk about the shrinking, I'm curious of what was it like when you were, you know, after after the role and all the award shows and all of that? Did you find it difficult to adjust to Hollywood? Did you feel like people expected you to shrink who you were and just what that experience was like for you?
0: Absolutely. I felt like I needed to be so small, and I needed to be so grateful, and I needed to be so humble. But at the same time, I needed to to not look like I won a contest to be there. You know, like, I didn't win some raffle ticket. I didn't guess the correct, you yeah. know, number of Skittles in a jar in order to yeah. be in these spaces. I, you know, was the lead actress in a, in a, in a film, and... I was good at that. (laughs) And that's why I'm in these spaces. And I was not convinced of it at the time. And in fact, it took me years um, to stop feeling like like an imposter, to stop feeling like... Even though the film was such a huge success and it got
1: all these Oscar nominations including best actress you you still felt that way yeah
0: because i was literally a phone sex operator the day before i was an actress and so like that's a very very ridiculously hard transition like those things don't even make any sense like i was i was really i, I was i was really 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 in a different place and so to be con- convinced that i now belong in this Place, like, at the same event as, like, a Brad Pitt, that's really, really, really hard to believe. It, it's really, really mm-hmm. hard to believe. And also, I'm I'm still from where I'm from. And so I look around, you know, I look around my family and my friends who don't get to ex- to experience this, who don't get to, you know, have people look at them in a different way. And I have survivals, survivors remorse you know, survivor's remorse for it. I, 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 yeah, it took me a while to, it took me a while to be, to be convinced that I belong in the, in those spaces. And sometimes even now I struggle with it a bit, you know, imposter syndrome rears its ugly head whenever it wants to. Uh, it's a, it's because I'm so used to not fitting and I don't just not fit because I'm a black girl. I also don't fit because I'm, because because I have a bigger body. I also don't fit because I don't have soft hair. I also don't fit because I'm not light skinned. Like there are a lot of reasons why I might not fit in different spaces. And, um you know, checking off those boxes with my confidence, you know, like using my confidence to be like, nope, it's okay. Your hair is good enough. Your skin's great. You're beautiful. No matter like all of this and you belong and get in line with Brad Pitt right now, sit next to him. Like, you know, like that sort of thing. I have to, I actually fake it. I, I fake it. I fake it a lot, honestly. I do today. I fake it. No, I, you know,
1: I think, I don't think faking it is a bad thing though. There there's there's was a sermon that I listened to and he was talking about borrowing confidence. And I always, and I thought that was like, such a weird thing to say, but then I started to think about it. And I was like, you know what, sometimes you need it because you just innately may not have it and you innately may not be, you may innately may not feel confident enough and have to borrow it from somewhere or some other place or some other moment in your life. Um, and i and i think that that's an experience that that black women feel so often and i mean so, sometimes you got to do what you got to do
0: yeah and i yeah you fake it till you make it like that's a phrase for a reason because you're right borrowing confidence yeah. it works it works and sometimes i get to believe it which is wonderful <laughs> you know which is wonderful <laughs> <laughs>
1: So do you I mean, now that, you know, some time has passed from that role, do you feel like the needle for leading actresses in films has actually moved at all? And and I specifically find it so interesting because I talk so much about diversity and inclusivity in the fashion industry and who we put on covers Mm -hmm. and who we put on the runway and who we give opportunities for campaigns. And it's often a conversation that um, I think people assume that things are better Mm -hmm. than they are. Um, And so I'm curious from from your point of view in Hollywood, if you think that that needle has moved at all. Hmm.
0: It hasn't moved as far as it could. It could move a lot further. You know, it could, it really could. Although we do have, you know, some of the best actresses that we can think of today, you know, Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer, Angela Bassett and Taraji P. Henson. And we have those names, but I wonder if those are the names that come to my mind because I'm a Black woman. I wonder if those names come to mind to, you know, to white people. And like, you know, yes, I'm sure you, we have this, we all have this uh, inclusion and diversity conversation so much, but we're the ones having it. Do you think someone's asking Emma Stone? Well, that's the (laughs) problem. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. We're the only ones having it. Like, they're not, like, you know, and, like, you know, white, you know, interviewers and reporters ask me all the time, like, what do you think, like, do you think, you know, is it being more inclusive? And what, you know, what should we do to make sure that more Black leads happen? I'm like, go ask... Go ask, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino, go ask Emma Stone.
1: <laughs> but all you have to do is say, well, what, what would you do? What are you going to do? Yeah.
0: What are you doing? What are you doing? Because I think that it's, it's so
1: wild to me that that is continuously. I think what what is frustrating about it is that it's continuously a conversation, but then it feels like, why are we just talking in circles? Mm-hmm. And especially for for Black women, I feel like we just start preaching to the choir and preaching to ourselves of talking about it so much mm-hmm. when we're not the people who need to be. You're right. No,
0: <laughs> we're Black. We're our. That's the job. That's I've done it. <laughs> like like if you want Black people to show up, I've showed up. I'm Black. What are you gonna do with me? You're right. We're talking in circles. Like it's not. It's it's still not our door to open. How do you think about it as far as like, you
1: know, when when you're getting parts and I'm I'm just translating it of on my end and tell me if I'm wrong, if it's different in Hollywood. But I feel like a lot of what we do in, in fashion is so incredibly subjective, which is part of the mm. problem of why I think inclusivity hasn't made the strides that it should, because we are deciding, you know, that someone's cool enough for an opportunity or that they're chic or they look good or all of that, which you can't really, you know, you can't really put metrics around. There isn't, there isn't like a formula of two plus two equals this for, you know, it to be someone that you want to have on a cover or someone that, Mm -hmm. you know, gets a big campaign. And I do think that um, that's what made it a lot harder in fashion to, I think, break down to people it's you know it's not about just your taste level or your perspective or your opinion it's it's the fact that all these things are so subjective Mm -hmm. um and and i'm curious of how you feel about it in hollywood because i think that i've always read about you know people have a certain idea of who they want for a part but it's like then how do you how do we move past that because your idea is probably centered around your community, and if that community is not inclusive, then your idea is not going to be including somebody that may that you may never have thought of or you know wanted to give a part to
0: or they think of it in a different like if you know let's say it's a white writer director who you know and there's a role for and this isn't happening as much anymore. it's getting better, but we're still asked to be. You know, there are to be, you know, the prostitute or the crackhead or, you know, we're not. When they're saying, when they like, oh, I'm going to write, I'm writing a role and it's a really, really strong woman, a business woman, you know, and uh, she's really, really, really beautiful. And but she doesn't know that she's beautiful. And it's like who like even now I'm I'm saying these words and I'm and even I'm picturing a white woman. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't say the race of the character, we know that it, we know that they're white, right? And they don't. It's just the way people think of black people, and it's unfortunate. They think of us. We're we we're always second banana. We're not the lead. We're not the star, mm-hmm. uh, unless unless we're the ones writing and directing it ourselves. But even when we do, like it's like, well, we gonna do this ourselves, you know? Right? And we do, and then they make fun of it. And then we make fun of it also. <laughs> so um it always it's it's always going to feel like it's uh we're all it it always feels like the, the alternative and not the norm. And I don't know what will bridge the gap between being, you know, the second thought and being the first.
1: Mm. The second thought. That's a that's a phrase for you.
0: Cause even like, even now and then people say, well, like, oh, you know what? Let's go Latino for this. That's a choice. That's like, because what you would really go for, the obvious choice is white. But like, you know what? Let's think out of the box. Let's go. Maybe we're like, maybe Asian, maybe black. And we're all lumped in this. We're all lumped in the second choice, not the first. And do you feel, do you feel that that's.
1: Presented, you know, a weird competitive energy between black actresses that maybe you've, you know, also gone out for parts with because I, I feel like that, I mean, that crabs in a bucket mentality is very is very prominent in fashion mm-hmm. where it feels like, you know, people have long felt like there can be only one, and mm-hmm. especially if they're, you know, it's like, well, there can there can only be one black girl in this space and she's got to, you know, do all the things that we need. And I'm curious to of how you felt about that over the years. Cause I, I think that there's definitely been a lot more of people trying to mm-hmm. come together and understand what the real issues are, but I'm curious.
0: I've known, I've known, um, well, I, myself, whenever I do audition for something, if I don't get it and it goes to another Black actress, whether they're, you know, whether they have Oscars or they don't, or they're, more, whatever, whoever it is, I am usually just happy for that person. I don't have the, I'm very competitive, but not here, not in this space. Right. (laughs) Like, I'm not, because I also feel like what is mine is mine. I'm more competitive with myself than other people, but I've known I've known black actresses absolutely with that mentality. They're like, I don't talk to other people in the audition room. Mm-mm. I'm not. Oh yeah, she's cute. Yeah, she, well, whatever. You know, like, oh, nah. We both went up for this role and she got it. So like, I don't. I don't really mess with her. Or like, or like, I'm not telling you what I'm auditioning for because like, nah. That's just like a secret between I mean, like me and my manager. <laughs> it's super petty. It's super super petty. And uh, those people that I've. Do that are not how do I say this nicely are not in the same room. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and perhaps because of the pettiness. Whereas, like I like some of the other so like uh, so Alfrey Woodard throws this party every Oscar season called uh, is Oscars Sisters. And the party is for Black women that are actresses, that are creators and storytellers that... Either have won, were nominated, or should have been for Oscars. And it is a joy. It is my favorite party every year. And like it'll be Angela Bassett and Alfrey Witter and Tracy Ellis Ross and Taraji Pientin and Lupita Nyong'o. And it's and it's really, and there's like no press. And it's really just a moment for all of us to sit amongst each other and say hi and and say I love you and I respect your work because like we spend so much time being in that competitive space of, "Mm, it's got to be me or it's you. (laughs) Like, it's there can only be one of us. And like, and you know what? That, yes, we absolutely deal with the crabs in a barrel mentality. We didn't build that barrel, though. Absolutely. I agree.
1: I totally agree. I think I think we played into it way. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. of.
0: And we don't need to. We can tell we don't need to at all. I've known I've known plenty of black actresses that like every time we see each other, every time they see each other, every time they see another black actress is always love. It's always love and no competition at all. But then, you know, some people are like that. Some people do have that mentality. I'm not one of those, thankfully.
1: But it's just not even productive. And I and I think that, I mean, obviously, if, you know, we want all these things to change, like we, you know, we have to be part of that and, and supportive of each other to also facilitate that change. So I'm I'm right with you for sure.
0: Yeah. Also, really, what's for me is for me. What's for other people or for them? Oh, I, I 100% agree with
1: that. 100%. I, I think that a lot of that thinking also has heightened because of social media.
0: Oh yeah. Every, cause it's not like, that's that, that mentality is not just for people in the industry anymore. It's for regular, regular people who like, you know, work at the phone company, but like, oh man, they on vacation over there or like, oh, she got a sugar daddy. It's, it's strange (laughs) that you're right. Social media has absolutely amplified everything. And it's, uh, it's bad for us. We should get off of it. I won't. But, but I I won't.
1: Um, no, I mean, no, I I mean I can't because of what I do. Mm-hmm. But I I think that you have Same. to constantly remind yourself that you are seeing you know curated highlights of someone's life, and you are seeing what they want you to see. You're not seeing what is that they may not want other people to see. And I think you. Your mind just plays games on you when you start to mm-hmm. look at other people's lives, and I, I see that so much in, in fashion and and young actresses that I talk to and people that we shoot. That it it it's just it can be a lot of pressure that can that can make it feel incredibly competitive.
0: Yeah, I was just commenting yesterday that like you know nobody who follows me on Instagram knows who I am. Like they don't they don't know who I am. They know me in you know I post maybe every. Sometimes I post like once a week or something. They only know that post. No one's watching me when I'm like shuffling through the kitchen at, you know, four in the morning trying to feed a cat or whatever. Right. You only see me when I've got the makeup on and the hair is done and the outfit is perfect. But like, you didn't see me put on my bra. Exactly. You know, and I spent time putting on my bra. My bra is also a part of my journey. And so <laughs> people only, well, they only show what they want. It's curated. You're right. It's curated.
1: Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about your podcast, though, because I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, so let's let's talk about if I go missing the witches did it, which is a paranormal comedy podcast, um, which also congratulations and, and tell us about it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's really, really, really fun. I love doing it. Uh, so I mostly listen to podcasts right now, but I don't listen to scripted podcasts. And this is, I didn't even know that they were a thing until I started doing this, Um, until I started doing If the Witches Go Missing. Well, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It. That is a long title. That's a mouthful, <laughs> but, but it's worth it. It's, you know, she's a cute, smart Black girl who also has her own, you know, her own bouts with imposter syndrome and, you know, saying and doing the wrong thing and reacting the wrong way. And Jenna, that's my character's name, Jenna happens upon a coven of witches and trouble ensues. (laughs) Trouble-induced, yeah.
1: How how does acting differ, though, from you doing, doing this podcast? I'm curious of how different the process is, or is it, you know, different side of your brain that you feel like you're using?
0: It's definitely a different process. Most of the... Most of all of my work, really, was just me in a booth with a director. So there's no one else to talk to. There are no other actors to play off of, you know? It's... And there's also like no visual things to go. Like when you know when I'm acting, like on a set, like in in a movie or a television show, I get the physicality of that character because I'm wearing their clothing. Mm-hmm. If they're you know if they work in an office, I'm at their desk or I'm holding their their paperwork, right? And I'm walking and talking. There's you know there's an actual scene happening that you can get lost in, it's a little harder to get lost in a recording booth with just you and a script. It's a little harder. And so, like, I would say that for... I would say... And I really, really, really enjoyed the story, and I really, really loved doing it, but I think that if I didn't think that the story was cool, I wouldn't be that into it. I probably would have hated it. Yeah, I really, really love the story, and I would you know i was doing three you no know, two episodes a session and so i was getting the story within the same cadence of an audience and so it it felt just like watching tv it felt like learning a character and learning a world and it being revealed to me the exact way it's supposed to which made it really 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 fun and also you know i can go different ways with you know it just it also, i realized how Emphasis and inflections really, really can make a difference. They really, really make a difference. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, I stopped hating the sound of my voice <laughs> while recording. <laughs> I stopped hating it. I <laughs> think I did. And, I, like, and I, I really love Jenna as a character. And she's not at all perfect. She is almost the anti-hero in a, in some ways.
1: I mean, those are the best characters though.
0: Right? They're the most interesting. They're the most interesting. Like she makes so many mistakes, and I'm always yelling at her. <laughs> and, so, and so it really I was really, really thoroughly entertained while recording this. And that's like the best kind of work. That like e- even though it's different than you know, than actually filming on set, the story is all I need. The story is all I need to enjoy. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: No, it totally makes sense. And I mean, you also okay, you were also on, you know, American Horror Story and Coven. Mm-hmm. And so, what it attracts you to this kind of, you know, paranormal, witchy? Like, what are you attracted to about it personally?
0: I just really love the idea of magic. <laughs> like, I like the idea of magic, and I, I, as a person who is, you know, you ever sage your room? Or your home? I do, of course. So <laughs> so that is technically, that could be seen as witchcraft, you know? It's because your intention is to clear your space. Your intention is to, maybe it's to bring your ancestors around or you know, get rid of something that's negative. That's just really a wish. You know, like, oh, I wish it felt better. I wish I felt better. And so we can all, we can, we can kind of all be witches. It's right there. You know, like it's right here for us. Like if you study enough, you could probably be an actual witch. Uh, And it's not, and witchcraft isn't just, it's not just, um, you know, turning people into frogs. Or you know, or whatever those witches and well, those people got hanged for in Salem? They were not witches; they were just women, which is awful. I think it's just like I really, really love the idea of setting an intention and doing something to make sure that that intention comes to fruition. No,
1: I love that, and I love that. We're, yeah, we're we're ending this on selling people to become witches. <laughs>
0: people can listen you, to them. You can do it if you, like, you can do this. When I was shooting American Horror Story, I cannot tell you how many witches I ran into. (laughs) So many. And, like, because also we were shooting in New Orleans. And so, like, there were a lot of witches. Totally. And witches have a bad, like, you know, they get a bad rap. Like, no one's eating children, you know? The Brother Grimm's tried to convince us that witches do. Sometimes it's just, you know... To become a millionaire? Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> right? It's, it, it, it's great. It's, w- witchcraft is just a wish. Get out of here. Do it. It's that easy. <laughs>
1: I love that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: In Her Shoes is edited and produced by Camila Salazar. Our lead producer is Jasmine Aguilera and Nishat Kerwit is our executive producer. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples Wagner. Thank you for listening.